five road wins, Anadolu continues to sink. And what on earth is happening with Emmett? It's all ahead of us on EuroLeague Sweet 16. Tune in. Great pass from Diamantidis. The lob is done! We go, 40 minutes to a title. David Blue to three. On the mark, David Blue! Now Spinellas drives inside. Look for the alley EuroLeague Sweet 16, exactly what you need. As ever, we are up on SoundCloud and we are, of course, uh, on wherever you get good podcasts. So be sure to search for EuroLeague Sweet 16 to subscribe and get the episodes as soon as they drop. Hello and welcome to EuroLeague Sweet 16, the place where we all wake up. We all, we're all we all right on our weekly predictions. But, you know, I think it's time, first of all, to say hello to uh, great friends. And, you know, for the first time this season, the sixth season, Aris Barkas of yourhoops.net. Aris, good morning. How's Athens? Good morning. Everything is fine. You wouldn't guess that it's November. But uh, if you look at the EuroLeague standings, uh, and of course, if you have in mind that uh, uh, we're in full swing of the season, then you will understand that uh, it's pretty much uh, near one third of the season down, right? I think maybe closer to 25% or past that. Yes, one quarter, one quarter. Yeah. Forgive me, it's it's early in the morning for us. Well, you know, it's so early that actually I managed to wake Aris up about 10 minutes ago. The fact that he's actually sounding so lovely is is beyond me how he's managing to do that. He's he's an all-star in our books. Um, also with us, a blast from the past, a great friend who hit me in the face with a paper ball in one of the final fours. But to be honest, we did ask him to pitch and I wasn't supposed to be the target, but still the ball hit me. Dave Hine, how are you doing? Hello. Wonderful. Happy to join this uh, this uh, circus of uh, of Euroleague jungleers and uh, trying to make sense of what's going on in this wonderful league. Uh, and uh, I want to uh, I want to thank you, uh, Mosh, for letting me come on here, where I can actually talk in a little bit longer form than than you coming on my show, uh, where we're kind of uh, cut to three ideas, three concepts, three. Uh, the main uh, points going on in the week, and here we could just talk about as much as we want, well, more or less. But thanks for the, having me uh, having me on. Well, it's always a pleasure having you. And honestly, Aris, I missed you. And, and sorry about the face. Oh, it's okay. Come on. It was, uh, you know, I'm gonna try and hit you with the basketball in the next final four. Fair enough. If yeah, the next final four I'm at. Okay, yeah, that that's tricky. Like I see the, I see where you're going with this. Uh, to those who wonder, yeah, we did have, have Emmett with us in the previous episode, but he uh, he's right now in Skokie. He's trying to uh, continue his training Amistad you know, for the world's strongest man. He's actually going to swim the lake there, also trying to connect to his Jewish roots. Um, you know, after all, his name is, uh, you know, when we're translating his name into Hebrew, it, it's actually the truth, uh, if I'm doing it actually in English, uh, funny enough. Aris, I know I said it, man, like uh, twice already, but man, we miss you. We really did. Thank you for that love, man. And here's the thing. Before we begin, there's this thing. We're going to try and make it under four minutes. So I think it's time to go to the most inaccurately named segment, Novel Sports and Entertainment Day. It is time for the four-minute warning. Four minutes to get through all the action that just happened in EuroLeague. It's the four-minute warning. So, fellas, where do we begin? We had five road wins. Now, that is not something that is that common. It is not. I think... uh, a lot to talk about, but let's begin where, you know, snowball has definitely started. It is unstoppable for now, the way it seems. And no, I'm not talking about joggeries. 
Let's start off with Anadolu Efes, who got smoked with uh, Shabazz Napierless. Zenit, Aris, what in the damn hell? Well, uh, you know, it's a good team. That's not surprising. Uh, they have Tavi Pascual. And uh, the fact that uh, they don't have Shabazz Napier is, of course, a big issue. But uh, even when they signed Conor Frankham, they knew that they got a potential starter. And uh, don't forget also Jordan Lloyd, who was one of the standouts of last season. So the, the scary part here is that they can be even better. Not that uh, they are that good at this point. Honestly speaking, we did say that they are, uh, it's uh, on paper, before Shabazz got hurt, it was like a Final Four material team in a lot of yes, ways. Yes, even then. So having a 5-3 record, it's only natural for them. You know, it, it's not over achieving. It's practically... You, you can even make a case that uh, they could have one more win. Yeah, I'm definitely with it. Dave, how do you see it? Uh, I, I think this is more that, like like Ara said, I mean, this is more or less what we ex- expected from Senate. Um, but FS, I think we really, uh, I re- I, we really need to start figuring things out here, or they need to start figuring things out. I mean, uh, they needed a big fourth quarter to even make it look respectable at an 11-point loss. Um, and you know, they're, they're just not, they're just giving up too many points. They're giving up 80.7 points. And, and that's the second worst defense, uh, to a team. I know we're going to talk about here too, as obviously as well as Siska Moscow, another team in mess. If you had said, you know, the worst two teams in points allowed would be, uh, Siska Moscow and FS, not too many people would have believed that. Um, but that's where we're at right now. Two teams really trying to figure their way out of it. And, you know, last season when they were kind of struggling, you know, you, you had to feel like, okay, they're all back and everybody else. And, and, uh, but I think this year there's the added dynamic that everybody wants to beat you this year because you're the champs, you know, there's that added dynamic. And, um, and until they kind of solve their things, it might take a while. I, I thought they might be out of the blue. It seems to me they're going to have to bring somebody big in um, to kind of help in that situation. But I think the the story from this game is 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 the continued uh, struggles that FS has. You mean continued suckness? Uh, but you know, with all the respect, look, we agree that it's like it's the the, the problem was with the front court. I think more than anything else, um, the, the addition of Brian. That's finally some thinking ahead. But you know what? You you actually. You gave me an amazing assist, so I'm going to knock down the three-pointer here. You know, last year we talked about Anadolu FS and their dominance. We compared them to the Maccabi version of the beginning of the 2000s. The only team, I think, that was even close enough to uh, to try and, you know, do what it did. You know, back in the 90s, at least, they were considered as the biggest thing. I'm talking, obviously, about Igo Plastica. And in, in, in the modern era of basketball, only two teams have managed to do something that's even remotely close. Maccabi was the closest because they made it like back to back to back. They made it three feet in terms of finals appearances. And Olympiacos made it back to back, made it obviously only two. But when we compared these teams, you know, last year we, we said that maybe Anadolu FS can be considered as one of those teams, but they need to win one. But I don't think we ever saw, you know, when we saw those empires go down, they did not burst down in flames during, you know, during which... Uh, Aris, first of all, I have to ask you if if you agree. And, you know, second of all, how can we even start to explain it? I mean, is it roster? Is it mentality? Because obviously everyone's gunning at you when you're a champ. Everyone wants a piece of the champ, right? But it feels like there's something more here. 
Yes, but you know what? After what happened last year, uh, I think that the fish, even if uh, they have a very rough start and uh, not a real explanation about why this is happening, I think that it's just a matter of time for them to click. You know, they are essentially the same team. Okay, they lost uh, Vasilya Misic for quite some time. And uh, you could see in the game against Zenit that uh, Shane Larkin was fed up. But he was trying to win the game all by himself because he needed the, this win. He wanted to turn things around. So, uh, yes, so far things are not looking good. But uh, are they out of the playoff? Of course not. Uh, are they out of the final four? Who, who is going to bet against them? But are they the Maccabi or Olympiacos versions that we, we discussed about, like, you know, last season? No, you don't see so far the dominance that you will expect from such a team. But on the other hand, you know, they are the same team. You know, you can erase what they have already achieved. And uh, losing Sertak suddenly is an issue, but having Petrushev is also a plus. So... The jury is not out yet, and uh, even if Sertak Lee emerged as one of the most important players of the team, practically he was a starter in the final four, the center position, I think they are, that they are going to be good again. Yeah, it just it's going to be the matter of who they're going to match up with in the playoffs, when they make it, should they make it. Now, here's the I, thing. I think, I, I think that the only problem here is that on some cases, it seems like they just don't want to play. You know, that that's the real issue here. On some cases, you see that they don't feel any kind of urgency. At least that's uh, what we get by watching them. You know, I agree with that. And that is perhaps the, the worst thing that you can say about a team, that when you look at them, there is no joie de vivre anymore. No, they're, they're not happy to play. And what's, when that's taken away, that is something big. And you know what? Let's bring in Cheska into this discussion. I'm not saying they're not happy to play together, But, you know, David, you, you brought them up in the same context as, as Anadolu FS. To me, we can give them that, you know, there are some circumstances, you know, where you can say, you know, they're missing Milutinov. They just got back Toko Shingelia. Kenneth Fareed needs time to kind of uh, get acquainted properly with European basketball. They are still missing a guard in the backcourt. They are also, you know, when, when you're seeing Shved, uh, Emmett said something beautifully. Uh, uh, he put, you know, He made an amazing argument, put it so articulately about Shved, because I said, you know, we, we need to see Rinkis Shved. We need to see Shved going full, full Shved for Cheska to have a shot in the, in, the, in the coming games. And he's like, no, not the Rinkis Shved. You need to see the national team Shved. But still, we agree that we need to see, a, a, you know, Alexi doing Alexi stuff. And I think this is perhaps their biggest problem. I'm not going to... I think it'll be too cruel to say about Barcelona that in one market move, they destroyed both Anadolu FSN themselves because Sertak Shanley is definitely not the same player uh, in Barcelona that he was in Anadolu FSN. But let's start with, you know, let's take it one step at a time. Cheska, we shouldn't be too worried about them, should we? I don't think so. I mean, you, you look at the injuries they had and to the, those guys that they had. And, you know, this is a... You know, it was a Fenerbahce team that was, you know, kind of, you know, they had lost three in a row um, and really needed themselves to kind of get back on track. Um, I'm not 100% sure, but looks like the last three game losing streak by Seska was rounds 14 to 16 in 2016-17 season. Um, with that COVID year uh, where all the games were sort of, you know, rescheduled and put in different order and stuff. 
I'm not I'm not 100% sure if they did lose three in a row, but you know, you, you, it just doesn't happen. Um, but if, if you're going to say this is a, a, you know, it's a loss, it, it's not a tragic loss is, is how I, you know, it's not the, that last week, you know, in France where they, you know, they, they, they came back, uh, they came back and, and then lost and then lost the big 22 point lead and ended up losing by 17. You know, this was quote, only a nine point loss. Um, you know, so you, you don't have these really two sides of Cesca where you're like, who are we? You know, they just got beat by a team. Fenerbahce hasn't hit three pointers all season and they dropped 55% on Cesca. You know, they came into the game shooting 31.7% and they shoot 55%. So um, also first road win, you know, so are you happy that you lost again? No, but are you happy that you you didn't have these mood swings, I guess, if you want to call them that. Um, so, and, and, you know, you guys will come back eventually, you know, I mean, having Shingeli is back is, is huge. Um, and uh, so I'm not worried about them. You know, there's still four and four, you know, there's, you know, there's still, you know, the season is still so long that um, they'll, they'll figure it out. They'll be right in the mix. Uh, um, you know, are they going to be one, two seed, three seed? Maybe not. But, you know, there's no reason why they can't go to the final four as a six or seven seed. Here's the thing. While you were talking, I was obviously listening to you and I went on and doing some checking and say that since the 2017-28 season, including Cheska, even not, you know, the, the COVID years, uh, when we're talking, you know, the 1920 and 2021 season, they hadn't lost three games in a row. Now, Ari's, we, we've been saying this for uh, quite some time that, you know, almost every year we said that this perhaps was the most vulnerable version of Cheska that we've seen. And we for sure could have said it before the season even began. But is it something that you would say that, you know, this is the outcome of them simply being too vulnerable? Or is it, you know, just the situation being, you know, what it is with them missing guys out? First of all, I think that Cheska is missing a point guard. And this is not something that uh, uh, I'm saying because of the way they are playing. I'm saying because they were in the market for a point guard. Even uh, Andrei Vatutin said that uh, we might add one more guy in our roster, and that never happened. You remember the chatter about Pangos and the fact that uh, Cheseka was obviously still waiting to get one more for general. So I think that... Uh, Ultimately, uh, they might need to make a move and get a point guard. Uh, of course, they, they must find a guy on their level in order to do that because the alternative so far has been uh, the solid effort of Cheseka to turn Alexei Zved to facilitator. We have seen it uh, time and time again, Alexei Zved trying to be something that maybe contradicts even his nature as a player. So I think that's the number one issue that Jessica needs to address. And of course, the fact that they were missing so many guys and they are still missing Marius Grigonis is an issue. I'm not saying that Grigonis is the answer to their playmaking woes, but if you add one more guard and you have Daniel Hackett being uh, Hackett and maybe if a Lundberg and... Uh, even Alexei Zved continue to try to create for others and not just uh, set the ball, 
even if they are great in shooting the ball, then we might see a totally different Seseka. And yes, we are in danger of losing, if not prime, uh, Milutinov, then at least uh, a very mature, already Nikola Milutinov, who can be the top center of uh, the Euroleague. Imagine Real Madrid without Tavares. Milutinov is on the level that he can affect the game of Ceseca uh, at this rate. We have not seen him yet do what he's fully capable of doing. And uh, I think that's why his absence is not considered such a big issue because we have honestly been used of Ceseca not having Milutinov due to injury. But this is a huge problem for them. Yeah. Totally huge problem. Milutinov so far has played just two minutes in the season. I agree, but when you think about it, you know, we do know what we're getting out of Nikola Milutinov, at least in the Olympiakos' versions, you know, when, when, previous versions, if you will, that we've seen a great guy that did a whole lot of stuff. But, you know, and you, and you mentioned the, the, the point guard thing. Now, here's what I really think about it. Um, if I were to tell you that you would have both Nikolaitis on a market alongside, alongside Kevin Pangos, what would you do? Where would you put each and every one of these guys go? Look, for a team like Jessica, like it's happening with Barcelona, I might say that Kalatis is a better option. For Jessica? Yes, for, for any top-level team. Because Kalathis doesn't have to prove anything at this point of his career. And uh, he's the prototypical floor general. You know, Kalathis doesn't have any issue of not taking a shot throughout mm-hmm. the game. Yeah, he would exactly. be happy if he did 10 assists. The, so, reason, the, the reason I ask you this is because the way I, I look at Barcelona, the way they are playing, and the way I see Cheska, and just by looking at the roster, it's like... Cheska has guys that can provide straight-up firepower. Now, with Barcelona, it is clear that their backcourt is somewhat lacking exactly that. And Barcelona seems to be a team that is more, more of a team that's supposed to be running than play those long half-court sets that, that Nick can definitely control and do. Even though, you know, Coach Aris is playing a lot of half-court sets. But I think that for the style of, of Barcelona, I think that Pangos would have been a better fit than what Nicolaitis is. I think that, like you said, Nick should be you know, much more lethal with, with uh, Cheska offense. Uh, yes, but on the other hand, I think that Barcelona has proven that they also have a lot of weapons. You know, we, we have seen the version of uh, Barcelona with Nicolaitis running the floor and uh, they made it to the EuroLeague final. So... Uh, I think that it's a very, very similar situation. Yeah, but... And uh, and uh, the thing that's the most underrated quality about Kalatis is the fact that he's a great defender. Oh, for sure. And without Kalatis, uh, if we go back to the EuroLeague final, it was obvious mm-hmm. that... Uh, Barcelona simply couldn't contain both Sen Larkin and uh, uh, Vasilya Misic. So, so, so you, you can't go wrong with Kalathis. You know, Kalathis is the perfect fit. 
in no, for I, such I, a level of team. I agree. I would love to see him in any team. I'm just saying. And, 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 and for Pangos, while I love him and he's a great player, uh, we still have not seen him running uh, a top-level team. I'm not saying that Zenith is not a top-level team, but the Pangos version of Zenith was clearly heavily focused on him, doing almost everything. It, it will be a, a very different kind of game for him if he was running Barcelona and Ceseca. And when he were in Barcelona, he couldn't adapt. Yeah, but when you look at, at Barcelona's backcourt, how many guys do you have who are uh, self-creators that can create for themselves and, and go from there? Right well, now. you know, you have, uh, of course, Corey Higgins. And you have Kyle Kuritz who can shoot. You have yeah, Rokas. But, but we're, talking, we're, we're talking about a guy that can create for himself. This is important. Yes. The, 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 react. Uh, outside Corey Higgins, yes, they don't have a Lundberg-like or a Sved-like guy. But, uh, you, you know, there are not a lot of players out there who can do that. Well, there is one, I think, that is aiming for a EuroLeague return. That is Darius Adams. But uh, all kidding aside, I mean, with, with, specifically with, with Nick, obviously he's one of the, the better defensive guards, I think, especially the point position. But it's like the more I see Barcelona's offense, you know, we can say they were, they were the, the runner-ups last year, and that is true. But just look at their uh, track record this year. They flirted with with three losses, with Monaco, Olympiacos, and uh, um, and, and Fenner. Obviously, they, they, they got a buzzer-beating uh, shot with Miritic. They lost in Tel Aviv. They looked nothing like uh, uh, a danger. You know, sure, you can say it's Milan, and they are on paper stronger than what they were last year. But still, it's like they're not this, they're not the Barcelona of last year. And when you're a team that lost in the finals, you want to be the team that takes it one step further this year. You want to be the one that, that is getting crowned as the early champions this year. Is this version, at least the way that they are playing right now, is this the version we're feeling comfortable saying that they can do it? Yes, but it, it will be, this is an answer that uh, will be validated only on the court, you know, because uh... On paper, those are two of the top teams in the EuroLeague. And a rough start in the EuroLeague with a new format and the way that the game is played is not a surprise. So uh, I think that the main takeaway so far from Barcelona is that their game looks and feels boring. You you can't say that for a team like Barcelona. In general, Spanish teams are usually a joy to watch, but you can totally expect what Barcelona will do in any given game. Uh, that proves that they are that good, that everyone knows what they are doing, and still they are uh, a force. But on the other hand, it's boring, let's face it. <laughs> you know, that, that's the problem with Barcelona. Barcelona will not really surprise you. They, they, they are a very, very, very uh, controlled team by the coach, which also is not something really, really bad. But uh, uh, it's, a, it's a class of styles, for example, with Anadolu FS, where yeah. even coach Ataman has agreed that he decided to give a lot of freedom to his guys. David, the more we look at the game so far and, you know, about the, the teams that were the strongest, that were leading the competition in, in recent years, 
and where they're at currently at the table in the standings. Suffice to say, or feeling comfortable enough saying that mayhem is the best way to put what we've been seeing so far this year? Mayhem. Uh, I mean, I would say we're not far from it. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I mean, okay, I think we have a couple of teams where, you know, they're still trying to find themselves because of injuries whatnot. You know, you look at, you know, Siska and, and, and um, FS's problems um, and you know, Fenerbahce, you know, with that is their star power. They, you know, you know, we, I, I, we talked about it on our show on my shows that, you know, imagine being a Fenerbahce fan, you know, I mean, if you, if you didn't have a heart attack after um, the first game, then after the next game, you know, I mean, th- those, those were just, you know, just absolute killers. Um, but, you know, you, you, you break the, the losing streak and, so and they're right there in the mix too, and also that's the same thing with Seska. You know, they they can also go to the final four as a six or seven seed. They don't need to. Um, you know, Maccabi. We'll talk about them later. You know, Maccabi. You know, uh, being a you know a, a, a you know a team that's you know re refurnished itself and, and looks really good right now. Um, the 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 player at the table that's kind of messing things up if you, and giving a little bit of mayhem, if you will, is is Asvel. You know, you know them at being at six and two, um, without speaking anything about their quality at all, but just sort of, you know, where actually both French teams because you look at Monaco um, at four and four. You know, so you know if the may if there is any mayhem, it might be a French. Inspired mayhem, um, but but you know you look at the the top of the t- you took the, the top, you look at the standings and, and all the big teams are up there, and um, except FS, you know, and, and FS with those with those guys, I I that's a team that 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 can reel off six seven wins in a row or eight out of nine or or whatever. So you know, and, and with the league being so tight, if you can if you can get us an eight and two span of 10 games then you're right back up there so I, I don't think you i don't think we can really say mayhem um with with just being uh faced that question right out of the blue i, I wouldn't call it mayhem fair enough um fun fun for sure fun for sure <laughs> no i mean it, it, it's surprising for, yeah, for me to say the least you know when you look at the standings right now because well, what's the thing, the biggest thing that surprises you? Well, I mean, look, they, they had their, uh, when, when we're talking on the WFS, I mean, I could check it. It will take like seconds, literally seconds. But at the end of the day, I think with, with Anadolu FS, we were just concerned, I think, last year, the fact that they were not as fluid as they should have been for a team that always, because Coach Adamon kept saying, you know, that they essentially got, in a matter of speaking, they got robbed in a, lot, in, in a way from a title the previous year. But it is a new year. It, it, it is a new season. And for the life of me, why did Jess Lewis texted me, I am the disaster factor? Oh, maybe it is because we are about to talk about Maccabi and Olympiacos. Look what I just did. Aris, Maccabi and Olympiacos, they shared the same fate last year. Um, this year, they are sharing the same, uh, same uh, uh, you know, record in the standings. Olympiacos is somewhat of an improved version of what Maccabi should have looked like two years ago. When they wanted uh, Thomas Walkup and they had Quincy AC and they had Tyler Dorsey. By the way, great interview on your hoops with Tyler Dorsey. Check it out. Um, so, what do you make of these two teams? And please tell me why is Olympiacos going to be in the final four, finals game? Okay, uh, that, that, that's good for, for from coming from you because yes, that's the hype right now in uh, Athens. You know, 
everyone believes that Olympiacos can even make it to the Final Four. Uh, that remains to be seen in my book. Because, yes, Olympiacos has all the tools to do it, but uh, it's also a matter of uh, what's the competition that you have. Uh, and that will decide ultimately who goes there. Uh, the thing with Olympiacos is that, as you said, practically they are an improved version of uh, from your take, my cabbie. I, I would say they are an improved version of what they wanted to be last year, but they didn't have all the tools. Now, with uh, Walk Up uh, replacing Jennings, with uh, Fall replacing Ellis, and uh, with Quincy AC coming in, uh, probably to take the minutes that Hassan Martin should have if he was at 100% and he's not. And also having Tyler Dorsey not replacing. Uh, Spanolis, of course, but uh, addressing a need that Olympiacos had for a long time, the outside shooting. It, it, on paper, they are not missing anything. And uh, one of the most uh, underreported stories so far in the EuroLeague is the rise of uh, Sasha Vezenkov, who finally is delivering what he yes. was expected to do. David... Uh, chips in because he knows uh, Sasha from uh, his teen years. Excuse and, me, uh, but wasn't I high on him all day, every day? Yes, okay, but uh, you know, uh, I, I think that a lot of guys have not understood uh, yet what's Vezenkov, uh, what's his game and what he's able to do. Uh, he's a Mirotic level shooter. It's as simple as that. And he can be a Mirotic level player. There is no doubt in my mind for that. And uh, I think that most EuroLeague coaches agree with me because right now you will see all the teams trying to defend first and foremost Vezenkov shots when you're, they are playing Olympiacos. On the other hand, Maccabi is uh, finally delivering in defense what coach Feropoulos wanted from them. And uh, it, it all starts from there. And you know, some sometimes when you have uh, a really good defense, offense, if you have the talent, will take care of itself. It's not as simple as it sounds, but it's uh, what makes a team and the players click. And good defense provides good offense. And uh, in, in many cases, that's true also for the opposite. So... The funny thing about Maccabi is uh, that I think that at the start of the season, then that means like three or four weeks ago, there were chatters in Tel Aviv about Coach Feropoulos being on the hot seat. So just imagine if someone had pulled the trigger. Here's the thing. You know, you know, here's the bad start of Maccabi. What, what I, will have happened? Yeah, but here's what I don't get, you know, because like, you know, you and I, we knew the everyone knew the circumstances. And the circumstances were, you know, very bad for Maccabi. And Maccabi, they have a coach who made it like to two EuroLeague Final Four Finals game. Coach Feropoulos is a good coach. He's a great coach. You know, I, I may even, you know, make an argument that he's underrated. You know, sometimes the, the player material is not, I'm not even going to say not good. It just, it, 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 there's not a, uh, it's not a good fit for the style in which you want to play sometimes. I'm not talking, you know, Maccabi, I'm just saying in general. 
And sometimes, you know, you have circumstances stacking up against you rapidly, whether it's injuries, whether it's COVID, whether it's um, a crazy, crazy schedule to begin the season with. But, you know, you're seeing the team now. You're seeing how they looked since the second half at the Milan game, which they lost, obviously, but something there kind of changed. They're looking like they're having fun. Uh, I cannot say that a 6-2, you know, when you look at, the, at, their, at their schedule, I cannot say that it fully surprises me. What surprised me was the dominance against Barcelona. Uh, I cannot even say that the loss to Zvezda surprised me because they faced a very good coach team right when they were still trying not even to find their identity, more like to find their rhythm in terms of game rhythm and game shape after COVID because we knew that uh, the guys, some of them, most of the guys that had COVID were symptomatic and they, they got, you know, the bets out of it, essentially. So again, I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. Like, Coach Ferropolis is a great coach. Yes, and uh, you know, the easy thing to do when uh, a team fails to perform is to fire the coach. Okay, but uh, look what happened with Zalgiris. I think that uh, we are entering an era in which there is a real parity in the league when we are speaking about the EuroLeague. The first team in the standings is not that far away from the last team in the standings. Anything can happen. You might get an anomaly here and there and find a uh, Himki, but that's not the rule. And uh, I'm not saying that coaches are holy cows, but the old trick to fire a coach, uh, shock the team and get a couple of quick wins before you start figuring out again how things should work under a new coach doesn't necessarily work in, that, in this era. You know, you might uh, fire your coach and uh, end up being in a far worse position, like it's happening right now with uh, Zalgiris. Hey, Hinti also fired their coach last year. It, it didn't take them two rounds, but they did. Yes, but uh, on the case of uh, uh, David Blatt. Oh. Because th- that's what you're referring to, right? Actually, no, because, you know, Dave, David Blatt, I mean, first of all, you know how much I love him as a coach. This guy, to me, is, like, to me, there's, like, the the first line of coaches, which is, like, David Blatt, it's Coach Giannis Ferropoulos, it's it's Coach Xavi Pasquale, obviously Coach Pablo Lasso, who's... First of all, we all love David Blatt, all journalists, and there is a, a very obvious reason for that. Uh, there is an old joke that some coaches are IPS member. For those who don't know, IPS is the International uh, Journalistic Association, and uh, Coach David Blood is always there to give you a quote and a great interview. So he, he, he's an asset for us. So outside of being a legendary coach, we'll all love him because we know that we will get something good out of him. Uh, but uh, I think that ultimately, in the case of Blood and Olympiacos, the main issue was. Uh, the health situation of Coach Blood. So uh, I think that's the only recent uh, very premature firing of a coach, which I get. Yeah, and, and it wasn't quite like, again, it's like you said, th- this is why I wasn't referring to, to Olympiacos because there was the health situation with, with Coach Blood. Also, the days of, of Olympiacos were, they were kind of strange days because you knew that V-Span, Kill Bill, my man, was very close to the end of, the career, of his career. It was like, you know, 
everyone knew that the days were numbered where we can enjoy a legend. Um, and whenever you're close to the final days in a way of a career and the team is still, you know, it relies on you. And, and you see now, like the way that Olympiacos is built, if they can keep this roster for two, three more years, we're talking a potential legacy or dynasty in the making. Again, a potential and in the making. I'm, I'm being very cautious here, but because this is what it takes. And when you always have that generational kind of gap, when your place players look like how Madrid are handling it. I think, like, legit in my books, Madrid are the best team to handle the generational swapping kind of thing. When a great guy is leaving the team and somehow someone, you know, steps up. You look at this version of Madrid, and we've said it like six times already this season, and they have yet to play with Tompkins, Trey Tompkins, and, and, and Anthony Randolph alone, who knows what's going to end up happening with Boom Boom, with J.C. Carroll, but you see where I'm going with this. I, I think that those days of Olympiacos were kind of strange, and, you know, it's just something that every club goes through. What surprised me the most is why Anadolu FS, what took them so long to get to that realization that they're going to need to kind of get uh, fresher legs, I would say, for uh, lack of a better phrase or words, you know, to get fresher guys to uh, to get this project project rolling kind of thing but with me the olympiacos that was perhaps i think the problem back then it was never the coaching yes pro- probably i'll agree with you but uh, i think that in general uh at this point first of all uh, the coaches need time it's obvious and uh, also the coaches are not miracle workers you know you, you will not get a coach and uh, turn around things just because of the shock of the change or just because for the sake of the change and uh, uh, there is nothing worse than overreacting and uh, don't believe it in your the coach that built the team after two or three weeks of action the, the thing is why teams are getting confused is because in the previous format it's like you said uh, a change of coaching was you know it could get you like a quick fix you would have get, gotten like what a win two win kind of uh, streak and in those days two wins sometimes could have made a difference even one win between just making it at the top 16 and uh you know just then you you, you had the time to kind of get yourself together but this version of the early is simply you know it's the unforgiven i think that's the best way to put it but you know that That's, I think, enough talking about Maccabi and Olympiacos, where, you know... I, actually, I wanted to jump in really quick, because uh, I haven't actually talked about either of them, and I just just two things really quick. One of them, uh, um, it's nice to see... He, he smiles all the time anyhow, but it's really nice to see Derek Williams combine that smile with really, really good play. Um, and uh, I, I, I know there's a sprained ankle. I don't know how serious it is, but, I mean, they, they really can't afford Wilbekin going down uh, Maccabi for any length of time. Uh, but you know, the way that this team is built is, is really nice. I like that, that, you know, the, the inside, uh, you know, the big men that they have, you know, that they can also go a little bit outside as well, some further than others, but you know, that's really dynamic and it's great to see, uh, Williams playing really well, really kind of like his, his old Bayern days. Um, Uh, and 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 really, Keenan Evans is, is starting to to step up more. And and the, the only point I really wanted to say about uh, about Olympiacos is they're six and two now. Um, but let's 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 um, we will know more a lot more about this team 
and six rounds. Five of their next six games are on the road. They play at Zenit, at FS. They play at home against Maccabi. They play at Milan, at Unix, and then at Svezda. So that's uh, a pretty good stretch of of uh, of, uh, of teams uh, who are you know playing good and bad, need wins, or you know want to continue their 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 good play. Um, so you know we're at six and two right now, and you know it's a it's a picture of where we're at at this moment in time. Um, if, if, you know, depending where they're standing, uh, after eight plus six is after round 14, then we really have a good picture of, of where Olympiacos is after that big stretch of road games. I, I think they should get like three, four wins, uh, to, so we can say about them, you know, they are sure, but, it, but, but do they get three or four wins or do they get four or five wins? You know, it's like, it's, it's, you know, if they go five and one in those, no, that, know, that, that, uh, that's going to be the difference in my books between just like being a home court advantage playoff team and a team that's yeah, sure. here in the fight for uh summer between six, four and six. Uh, and as for Maccabi, you know, what surprises me the most that no one actually brought up the name of James Nunnally because this guy is playing so yeah. elegantly. It, it is, he's fantastic. He's, it is uh, he's, he's, he's playing fantastically. Uh, I had him, I had him written down to talk to him, but uh, I didn't want to spend too much time there was so much other talk about the about uh, everything else but he's been he's been unbelievable so far so yeah you know i'm, I'm gonna say something i think that ours is going to agree with me because when i'm looking at this version of olympiacos and this version of of maccabi it reminds me a lot of the days where coach Ferapolis was coaching also olympiacos you see two teams that are actually having fun fighting out there no matter what no matter the the outcome no matter what they're fighting together they're sticking together and this is something that we could not you know, we cannot talk about it enough. Like we can have shows and shows and shows just about this topic alone. Yes, but we now need to see them uh, at adversity. True, I agree. Anyway, Aris, I'm going to circle it back to you, Panathinaikos. Now we're going to talk briefly, briefly about Svesda as well. But okay, we, we've gotten used to see, like we know that Panathinaikos, perhaps this is the weakest version of this team that has been playing on a court in recent years, but I, I don't think we even in our wildest dreams anticipated, expected them to be that bad and to actually go down by 30-something points to, to Zvezda. Come on, that is just like, we know Zvezda's defense is good, but what on earth is happening with Panathinaikos? And is there redemption or anything good in the near future that you can say, okay, I can see the bright light at the end of a very distant, very much distant tunnel? Well, you know, that's the problem with this version of Panathinaikos, that uh, they gave up. I think that that's the issue with the game with Zvezda. They obviously gave up after a point. So, uh, I think that for the second straight season for Panathinaikos, it is what it is. Uh, you can buy a good team with a ton of money, but uh, at this point in the era of Euroleague, you need money to build a team. It's as simple as that. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised uh, when uh, the final and real numbers show up, if they ever show up, if uh, the budget of Panathinaikos is uh, the lowest uh, in this version of the EuroLeague. And when I say lowest, I mean lowest by far. This could be. You know, it, it seems that uh, the best guess is that Panathinaikos had around 5 million euros to build a team. And uh, this is, first of all, something that will not be able to be accepted by the Euroleague from next season. 
because there is already a decision made that uh, 7 million euros should be the minimum budget for any team uh, concerning salaries. If you take taxes into account, then Panathinaikos will not have any issues. But if this means just net contracts, then th- that's an issue. That's uh, th- the small prints that must be investigated. But uh, other than that, I think that Panathinaikos will play better because Georgi Ferrell is not yet himself. And uh, Georgi Ferrell will be himself because at this time of the year, NBA players who have never crossed the Atlantic are still uh, preparing themselves from the season for the season. They are not ready. It's as simple as that. And when he gets ready, Panathinaikos will play better. Olympiakos and Maccabi, it's also a matter of who you have to compete against. And uh, Panathinaikos has to compete against very, very good teams. There, there is a notion that Zvezda, uh, compared to, to Panathinaikos, it's pretty much on the same level or it's a mediocre team. I totally disagree. Yeah, I you, think Zvezda are much better. I do. Yes, uh, this is something that uh, uh, it's a belief that uh, has to do, uh, especially with the way and the angle that specific specific fans watch uh, their team. So I think that right now, uh, even on paper, you can't say that Panathinaikos is any better from any team. Let's say, for example, they are better from Alba Berlin on paper. And that's it. You know, it's hard to to accept it. But even on paper, you don't see Panathinaikos being able to do much. Not even winning the game. I, I, don't, I don't even know if they're better than Alba Berlin. I, I think Alba Berlin, even on paper, are better than... Uh, I mean, we can argue about that, but I think on paper that... Uh, that um, Let's just put it this way. You you know you know David. I don't necessarily disagree. And and, and, and this is and this is a and this is a guy who's who's a huge uh, Kendrick Perry fan and a huge Howard St. Rose fan and and yes. also somebody who uh, doesn't believe that Papianis is a bust. You know, but but I still you know I I like this Alba Berlin team and I think they will give teams now more and more problems over the co- coming months uh but to, to stick to Panathinaikos I don't think they're better than him um and, and just to really want my, my quick point about Svesda everybody talks about their defense and and it's fantastic um but uh do they have enough scoring punch to to make headways into becoming a playoff team you know you look at Walters at 13 points you look at Kalinic at, at, th- at 11.4 do they have do they have enough offense though um, to counter those that defense um, when you're going to need to, you know, there's going to be teams that are going to be able to sh- to shoot 44%, 48% threes. Do you have enough offense to, to get those additional points that you need? And I just wonder that on Svesda. Again, fantastic defense, but do they have enough offense to get there? That's my question with them. As long as, 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 long as it will be like transition offense, I think they should be good. Um, and really fast transition offense or fast breaks depends on like you know, the situation, of course. But that's like I think the more you force them into half court sets, the more they will have problems because of their ability to to spread the floor from deep. Uh, will it be enough? Could be. Could very well be. Like we've seen some crazy stuff happening in the Euroleague. It, it, it won't be a surprise. Um, I could talk ages, by the way, for that tweet I made about like Giannis Papadopoulos that. You see him po- trying to post up 
four other guys are just looking at him. No one's slashing, no one's cutting, no one's, you know, moving off the ball. And to me, it was obviously, it was just like just this one possession, but it says a whole lot. It says a whole lot about, uh, uh, about their offense, specifically in that play. Uh, but we are short on time. So guys, let's, come on. There is this just one team that we, we, we didn't show enough love till now. And no, I'm not talking Alba. No, I'm not talking Chagaris. Nor actually, I am talking about the one who's currently leading the standings. So just before we move on to the games of the week, is Milan the real deal this year? Are they going to go all the way, Aris? Yes, yes, yes. I, I picked last year Barcelona to go all the way. And uh, of course, they have a great chance this year. But I think that uh, Milan is finally there. You know, it, it was a real blow for them to lose Kevin Panther. And it was a conscious uh, financial decision from the side of the management. But uh, I think that uh, speaking about underrated players, Savon Shields should be considered uh, an all-Euroleague uh, candidate. And uh, if you have also a healthy uh, Malcolm Delaney, because himself said that last year he was not at 100%, then they have all the pieces. I'm not worried that all about guys like Nicolo Melli and uh, Kyle Hines because they also have the mentality of being there, done that. I'm just saying that, you know, the, the, the team is that good that they have on the sidelines Troy Daniels and uh, Jeriah Grant. Yeah. You know how many EuroLeague teams ha- can say that? Uh, you know, from our world, this is what you just did and what you just said is, is the equivalent of just saying, you know, check and meet. Uh, <laughs> yes, you, you know, uh, we are talking about personnel and uh, which is the one guy that might be missing from somewhere in order to elevate their level. Especially looking at the Milan backcourt, you, you have guys that they are literally not playing and they could be assets for any EuroLeague team. You know, I always thought that they're, uh, you know, maybe there's, they, they still might be missing a guy that can play above the rim in the front court. But, maybe, maybe, but they are loaded. Yeah, wow, are they loaded? They are crazy loaded. And you know what? I, I like the I like the fact that you know this was the big matchup. You know, everybody said you know Milan, Barcelona. You know, um, six and one, both both teams. You know, Barcelona. We can say what we wanted to, but obviously they were you know one of the favorites, and 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 Barcelona came and and and. And and had that 014 run to start the fourth and, and go ahead. And Milan took the punch and gave it right back, you know, an 8-0 run to answer it. And it was, you know, and, and that's that's you know, that was, you know, you really that's the thing that you have you want to see is that, you know, a game that you're that you a home game against a team like that, you know, you know they're gonna make the run and to make that counter run and actually go through with it and get it done. Again, are we surprised? No. But it happened, and that's what you know. You you have to do against these big teams, and so um, there's no reason in the world at all to think that Milan will not be. Um, you know, can they lose a game five in the in the in the playoffs? Okay, sure, it happens, maybe. Um, but there there's no reason in the world why they should not be in the final four. Come on, guys. Aside of the Bayern game, can you think of one game that you weren't that that you saw them and you didn't you didn't think to yourself they are dominant like throughout? Even the, the games they won with, uh, you know, a single-digit margin. Even that. They are, be- they, they are better. You know, Gigi Datome is finally himself. Nicolo Melli was an asset that was simply not present. He didn't replace anyone. He's his own mm-hmm. guy. 
Yeah. If somehow they had the ability to keep both Zach Lenday and Kevin Panther, who could challenge them? I know who. Maybe a couple NBA teams. No. Actually, no. Come on, they're good. They're not that good. You will say Virtus Bologna. No, come on. It's Milan. <laughs> okay. I think that we are beyond that. We are past this point. You know, we are beyond the old mentality of Milan. And that was obvious in what David said. No, I mean, come on. We're, we're all our own worst enemies, I think. Yes, in yes. In a lot of ways. Yes, yes. In a way, yes. But they are ready. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I don't think that that can, I don't think that that will happen with this team because of guys like Messina, guys like Melly, guys like Heinz, guys like uh, Gigi. You know, that won't happen, uh, uh, you know, Chacho. You know, that's not going to happen. You, you're not going to be your worst enemy with guys that have never been their enemies. You know, they, they, that are winners that, you know, lead their teams to championships and all this stuff. That, that mentality, you know, that that goes from the top and goes all the way down, and 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 it leads through all of those guys, and and so I I, I can't. It would shock me if they, um, if they you know self implode and stuff like I, that. That's, I, I think their their biggest concern should be like the minute distribution because the more you're going to see the veterans play, the more they're going to get you know gasp later on, and it's not going to be something good for them because they need that balance between the fresh legs and the experience. So. To me, this is like the thing to pay attention to. Now, I think that's enough Milan for today. Uh, <laughs> and it's time for that one thing that we're all scared shitless. Uh, you know, we're all scared to shit from it. And that's the weekly predictions. Yes, the, the content of this show is becoming more and more explicit from week to week. And be surprised that this week it was actually not as, as it was last week or the one before that. Um, it is time for the games of the week. So here's how it's going to go. As ever, you know, we're going to pick two games on a card and we're going to give our nine picks. Then I'm going to ask in our WhatsApp group from Emmett and Lewis to bring their own disaster factor. So the games this week, we have Chest Maccabi. We have Zvezda versus Asvel. We have Berlin, Alba Berlin, Anadolu Efes, Panathinaikos, Unix, Barcelona, Basconia, Zenit, Olympiakos. Wow, that is a game. Fenner, Milan, Milano versus, uh, sorry, not Milano, Monaco versus Bayern. And we're going to top it off with Real Madrid versus Calgary. So I'm going to ask Aris, Aris, your two games to watch and your nine picks, please. Uh, the games to watch are very, very difficult to, be, to, to pick, you know. And uh, the obvious choice might be Ceseca versus Maccabi. But I will go with Panathinaikos versus Unix Kazan because you know what this game means. The return of Mario Hezonia to Aka. And uh, the other game to watch is, of course, Fenerbahce versus Milan. I think that goes without saying. That's interesting. As for the, yes, as for the predictions, you know that I am a sucker for home uh, sides. Uh, and uh, this is a very difficult uh, round to predict, but I think that Ceseca will bounce back against Maccabi. It's not that Maccabi can't win. In Moscow, of course they can, but I think that Jessica will bounce back in this game. It's a good game for them to bounce back, at least. I think Zvezda's defense will make all the difference against as well. I think that Anadolu Efeles has a real chance to beat Alba in Berlin and get back on track. I think that Panathinaikos somehow will beat Unix Kazan. 
because uh, we have also to take this year around the fact that the fans are back and the fans of Panathinaikos are really helping them in close games and that's why I think that they will beat Unix. I think that Barcelona will beat Basconia. I think that Olympiacos will get the road win against Zenit. I think it's just a matter of momentum right now. Fenerbahce will beat Milan. This is also about momentum. I think that Monaco will beat Bayern and Real Madrid will beat Zalgiris. Okay, Dave, give us your two games to watch and your nine picks, please. Two games to watch. Um, I don't want to pick the same games. <laughs> um, though I think they probably are the two games to watch. But I'm going to say I'm going to say Svazdan um, as well because I want to see how many points that Akobo and Jones. Listen, can we can can somebody figure out a nickname for those guys? I know Chris Jones is as is, is, is boring as it gets as far as names go. It's kind of hard, but can somebody get a nickname for those two guys? Um, I'll say that one. You know, the, the, the only good Did... nickname now so far for as well is uh, uh, Adeto Combo. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, unfortunately yeah. for Chris Jones, <laughs> doesn't really work. Yeah, I, I, that, but those two, I, they, they, need, they need a nickname, you know, and not, and not just like Batman and Robin or some superhero. Oh, they we'll need figure a good, it out. I mean, we'll, yeah, you guys are creative enough. So we'll, we'll I'm going to say that one because, um, and the other one, um, just because I don't want to pick the same game, I'll go with Monaco and, and Bayern be, because, you know, people who listen to uh, Go on Traveling know that uh, I'm a big Monaco fan and, and I think that uh, um, Monaco de Bavaria will be beaten by Mont- the real. Monaco in in uh, in France. My picks. I'm gonna go. I'll say because we don't know about Wilbekin. I'll say CSK. I'm gonna say Aswell. I'm gonna say Oliver Berlin is gonna beat uh, FS. Uh, and uh, I'll I'll go with Panathinaikos uh, beating Unis Kazan, who you know, who are still you know trying to figure find their way as well. Barcelona will beat Basconia. Uh, I think Olympiacos will take uh, get the road win over Senet. Um Man, uh, ours picked uh, Fenerbahce over Milan. Um, it's tempting, but um, uh, I think Milan will do it, even though Fenerbahce need it more. I just said that Monaco will beat uh, Bayern and Real Madrid will beat uh, Sargos. Okay, so uh, for me, the two games to watch are, uh, well, obviously, uh, yeah, it, it would have been a tough one, but I'm going with Maccabi Cheska. And... Um, Zenit Olympiacos because of the clash of styles in terms of defense, like it's defense versus defense most, most than anything else, more than anything else. Uh, as for my picks, I am going Cheska, not because I don't think Maccabi cannot win there. I'm just saying Cheska lost way too many games to, to you know, allow himself to come anything short of like extremely vigilant and high on this game. So that's why I won't be surprised if Maccabi takes it though, but I'm going Cheska, Zvezda, Anadolu Efes, um, I'm going with Panathinaikos, Barcelona, Olympiacos, uh, Milano. I'm going with Milan to get a road win, um, Monaco and Real Madrid. And I think that that is pretty much it. And with that being said, I think it's time to uh, say our goodbye. So, David, where can they find you? Uh, high News, at High News, H-E-I-N-N-E-W-S, is the Twitter. Um, taking the charge. Substack.com uh, is everything, all of my material there, um, doing more and more there. 
And um, yeah, you, if you read the Euro League and the Euro Cup and, you know, everything else, you, you read some of my stuff anyhow here and there. So, but um, follow me on Twitter and you'll, you'll know most of the stuff that I put out there. And again, thanks for bringing me on here. It was uh, fun as, as always. Oh, we're going to have you next week as well. No worries, Aris as well. And Aris, where can they find you, buddy? As usual, you can find me at eurohoops.net, at the social media of Eurohoops, on my own personal social media, and you can hear me at Cosmo.tv. And as for uh, Lewis, you can find him at Half Glenny on Twitter. As for Emmett, you can find him at the various social media platforms uh, with, you know, Bond Europe. And as for myself, you can find me at MosesB1 and at Team Scott on Twitter. Uh, the Facebook page of Team Scott and the website itself, of course. And yeah, you remember the show has a Twitter account right now. It is at ELSweet16show. So make sure you follow that. We're, uh, we're available on Anchor, Spotify, SoundCloud, and also on Apple Podcasts. So just make sure you tune in. Show the love as ever. We love you back. And with that, there's just this one thing left to say. And that is not team related. It's just simply. Till next time. Great pass from Diomatidis. Alabama, Destiny. The lobby. There we go. 40 minutes to a title. David Blue for three. On the mark, David Blue. Now Spinelis drives inside. Look for the air. Corey Higgins just exploding. EuroLeague Sweet 16. Exactly what you need.